0: Learn more at marines.com.
1: What is up? Welcome to Friday, January twenty second edition of Roughing the Kicker, a daily Kansas City Chiefs podcast on arrowheadreport.com. I am your host, Tucker Franklin, and sadly today we are not joined by B.J. Kissel. He was listed as did not practice on today's injury report with a non-COVID-related <laughs> illness. Um, feel a little bit under the weather, so B.J.'s not with Jordan and I today. Jordan is here with me. We're working out the kinks right now to get uh bj back on the podcast because we need to have him on he's got some great insight into this chiefs team so jordan how you doing today my man
2: tucker i'm good i am a full participant um yeah. so you can't ask for much better than that especially at this time of the year nobody's really 100 i think so i'm ready to go
1: so let's go ahead and, and cue the patrick mahomes injury update music because we have a patrick mahomes injury update for what is it now it's been the fourth fifth straight day I forget how many days we've done a Patrick Mahomes injury report, but it seems like it's been a long time because Patrick Mahomes has been injured for too long in my book. Anytime Patrick Mahomes is injured is too long, Mm -hmm. Um, but he's working through the concussion protocol right now. Ian Rappaport, just before Jordan and I hopped on this call on Thursday, uh, said that he's progressing to play on Sundays, taking all the necessary steps. He was a limited participant in Thursday's practice only because the concussion protocol makes him a limited participant, um, because he can only do so many things in the concussion protocol. Andy Reid said he took most of the first-team reps for the for the Chiefs, so that's encouraging as well. And uh, everything seems to be trending in the right direction for the Chiefs in regards to Patrick Mahomes. He was seen stretching in a helmet at the media open session for the media practice, so all positives. Uh, going into Sunday's matchup
2: yeah really all you can do with that concussion protocol like whether or not he had a concussion whether or not it looked bad blah 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 like all you can ask for is that he's a participant and he's progressing Mm -hmm. through the stages now whether he's in stage three stage four stage five would be that return to full contact and stuff like that so I mean he's progressing there haven't been any bad pieces of news that have come out saying he's showing symptoms or anything so um, I don't want to get too ahead of myself, but it's looking good for him to play on Sunday, I think.
1: Stage five would be kind of tough for him because quarterbacks aren't on contact. We mentioned that yeah. on, what was that podcast? Monday, we mentioned that because, mm-hmm. you know, him getting back to regular practice is essentially stage four. Just sounds like he's in stage four right now. Yeah. Um, just by kind of feeling out because I don't think Reed can technically say where he is in the protocol, and he wouldn't really want to anyway, because that's a competitive (laughs) advantage um, for them not to know where he is in the protocol. But also some good news on the injury front. Brashad Breeland has been practicing. He was limited today again, but he had a helmet on. He was stretching. No Willie Gay today uh, on the injury report, and I believe Clyde Aberdele and both Sammy Watkins were at practice today. They might have been full. I'll have to check that while you're talking. But, um, yeah, I think that big signs in terms of the injuries coming off of this week.
2: Yeah, absolutely. And I know on Wednesday's practice, um, the only reason I remember is because Clyde had these awesome Air Jordan 1 cleats that are, like, the <laughs> coolest. Anytime I see those in football, I think they're great. But he didn't have tape on the ankles, and that's a big deal because last week they were all heavily taped up, and I was thinking to myself, this guy can't play on Sunday if that's going to be the case. Like, I remember on Madden as a kid, I would tape up my ankles oh, because yeah. it looked cool around your shoes, and you would do team color one or whatever. That doesn't happen in the NFL. Like, you're not going to move around well. Um, it's restrictive – It's not going to happen. But Sammy Watkins, it's also good to have him back. So, in general, I mean, if the Chiefs are getting those guys back and they're practicing in some capacity, it's a positive step.
1: So uh, Clyde Edwards, there was a limited participant, so was Rashad Fenton. It says he's listed as a foot. Uh, Sammy Watkins also limited. Patrick Mahomes limited, as we mentioned. Breland also has a shoulder injury that not a lot of people are talking mm-hmm. about. He's also limited. Two people that didn't practice. Willie Gay, as I mentioned before. And Le'Veon Bell didn't practice. He, his knee swelled up on him. He wasn't listed on the injury report on Wednesday. But on Thursday, uh, he did not practice. Andy Reid said they just got to work on getting the swelling down. And he should be mm-hmm. good to go by that time. Um, we could Let's check a look at the Buffalo Bills. Um injury report because stefan diggs is listed on there but he's a limited mm-hmm. participant with an oblique these last two days on wednesday and thursday that's an interesting one the only other one that really sticks out to me obviously cole beasley with his knee he dealt with in the divisional round and wild card round he's a limited participant and yeah that's about it. gabriel davis another wide receiver didn't practice either day so could could mm-hmm. be interesting um to see how, who the Buffalo Bills trot out. If they don't have Cole Beasley or Stephon Diggs, we saw John Brown take a, a little bit of control of that offense, but what do you think mm-hmm. about those two injuries?
2: Yeah, Diggs, obviously, he's going to be playing through it, I think, but he's he's never been 100% really at, yeah. at any point later in this season. Beasley kind of the same way. Like In the wild card round, he looked like he wasn't moving well. He wasn't playing well at all. He looked better in that divisional round, I think, and really any time you can get – Brown, Diggs, and Beasley out there at the same time, and Davis is icing on the cake. Like, the Bills have some pretty good talent on offense, and yeah. if Beasley is limited in practice but is feeling better and moving better, then that means he's going to be effective because he's a good receiver, and um Diggs is going to be Diggs either way. Like, if that dude can yeah. play, he's going to try to play through it.
1: Vernon Davis, or Vernon Butler, Vernon Davis, (laughs) Um, Vernon Butler, the defensive tackle for the Bills, also did not participate in Thursday's practice. That makes Wednesday and Thursday. Uh, no practices for him either. So that could be interesting. Uh, Tremaine Edmonds, he is also listed with a hamstring, but has been full both days. I know that that was kind of a, a concern for Bills Mafia up there if he was going to practice. But it looks like the Bills are going to be as full strength as they could be heading into this game. And hopefully the Chiefs are more full strength than what they were last week because I think even in the division around the Chiefs, that might have been one of the worst weeks in terms of injuries.
2: Yeah, I mean, anytime Mahomes is knocked out of the game, you're kind of behind the eight ball. But even heading into the game, you're missing two of your best offensive players. And like the Sammy Watkins thing, we bring it up all the time. Whether he's an elite player or not, the offense is better with him on the field. Like whether his numbers are good, the offense does better. And then Clyde, he obviously brings a lot to the game. And we've mentioned, I think it was me, you, and Connor talked about that article that explained... Clyde's playoff role probably would have been more substantial in the receiving game than we've seen all year. So I'm really excited if he can go to see what he brings to the table.
1: Yeah, I'm excited to see him back out there there on the field. No doubt that Daryl Williams will also play a key role in this Mm -hmm. offense as well as he already has. And that's interesting to see how those two will kind of... How the how the roles will marry, if you will, Mm -hmm. Um, how the roles will be paired together. So uh, I'm excited for this game and we'll have a a preview with that tomorrow. But before we get into, um, you know, a little game that Jordan and I are going to play, I want to talk about something that I saw on Twitter from the Pro Football Writers Association. They named Brandon Bean, he's the Buffalo general manager, their executive of the year. And if you've been listening to this podcast for, oh, ever since we started, I think, Jordan, I (laughs) I think our first episode was about how good of a general manager Brett Veach was and how Brett Mm -hmm. Veach deserves to win executive of the year. I made a tweet that could seem controversial to some, um, but I didn't think, I still don't think it's very controversial. I said, okay, it's interesting to note here. That re-signing the best player in all of football to a historic contract in North American sports, re-signing one of the best interior defensive linemen in the game, re-signing the best tight end in the game, Mm -hmm. finding a draft class that is... Maybe one of the best draft classes I'd say this season, without uh, mm-hmm. many cont- er, contributors early on in the season. And when you think about Legarius Need, has had the best grade of all rookie cornerbacks, and he came from the fourth round. Brett Veach found a gem there. Not even t- that's not even talking about his undrafted free agent gems. When you talk about it. Tershawn Horton, um, that's mm-hmm. a gem in itself. And he all did this while trying to balance a cap that was already very close. We know, you know, the whole $177 was thrown out there. We all know that that's probably not true, right? It's fun (laughs) to talk about, but it's probably not true. But it's probably not too far off. I don't want to – that's probably hyperbolic to say too far off, but – it was probably low. It was probably close to the wall, yeah. I'd say. Um, but $177 is a little bit too specific. You know, it's hard to technically track all of the cap going on. But apparently, all of that wasn't enough, according to the Pro Football Writers Association, to make Brett Veach the executive of the year. And that that's very interesting to me. Because a lot of the naysayers to my tweet have said, Oh, it's because who who wouldn't have done those moves? Mm-hmm. Who wouldn't have done that? Not only did they re-sign all those guys, but they brought back 20 of 22 Super Bowl starters. Uh, and a feat that hasn't been done in my recent memory in a very long time since mm-hmm. the free agency era began. Um, I, don't, I don't think that we've seen a team be able to do that with a COVID situation and then able to come back with a target on their back and then win 14 games the next season and keep the band back together it just it's beyond me that people will look at what Brett Veach did and say oh what general manager wouldn't have done that because I don't think that that's fair I don't think that that's fair to say oh any general manager would have done that because I don't think that that's true I don't think every general manager would have been able to re-sign three of the top three guys you had up for contract Mm -hmm. and not let any of them walk and keep them in kansas city for the long term while drafting a phenomenal draft class to contribute to your super bowl championship roster already already while bringing back all those guys from your super bowl roster it's easy to sit back here and say oh yeah what he did was easy but in no way was that easy at all
2: it's lebron james and that was the first thing i thought of it's lebron james should be the most valuable player in the nba probably 10 out of his 15 or 18 seasons, however long he's been in the NBA, 17 years, whatever. But he's supposed to be this good. he That's what LeBron does. He's supposed to be this good every year. He's consistent. He's just doing his job. Brett Veach just did his job. Now, did he do the best job in the league? One of the best jobs in the league, I would say. And whether its it's kind of a congrats on being good again thing like congrats on being as great as you were last year but if you were the greatest the year before you should not be penalized because of that just because someone else like a russell westbrook averaged a triple double like just because the bills got stefan Diggs and the rest of their roster played a little bit better and josh allen took a step forward because of it bean didn't sign josh allen this year bean didn't trade for Josh Allen this year. Bean didn't work with Josh Allen this year. Stephon Diggs was a big reason for that improvement. Josh Allen was a big reason for that improvement. They didn't add a ton to that team. It was already a good team. So if signing Stephon Diggs and making a couple moves along the fringes makes you executive of the year, then more power to you. But Brett Veach is one of the best executives in football for a reason because he's been doing it for a few years now. He has several years ahead of him, so I mean, I'm not too bent out of shape about it, but I think that when some members of Cheap's Twitter were saying, well, that's what he's supposed to do, that doesn't matter. If he's supposed to do it, but he's doing a great job, like if Patrick Mahomes threw 50 touchdowns every year moving forward because he's supposed to do it, he'd have to be the MVP every year because he's doing the best job, but I guess it's just it's a semantics thing. It's tit for tat. I have no clue
1: semantics is a very good way to put it because a lot of people say well he drafted a running back at 32 you Mm -hmm. and I both understand the value of drafting a running back high in the draft is not what it once was obviously yeah and right okay hindsight says you know they could have drafted Chase Claypool they could have drafted Mm -hmm. you know whoever whoever came after Clyde Edwards but at the time that's the best available player I've come around on the pick saying, okay, I guess I don't really have a problem with it because in the first round. It, look, and he's a it good in. player. Exactly. He's been <laughs> he's a good. consistent player, a consistent starter until he got hurt and forcibly yeah. done the splits, um, which was looked very painful. And he mm-hmm. was a constant contributor, not only a constant starter, but a constant contributor to this team. He was a vital piece essentially to this offense. You know, you did bring in another running back with uh, Le'Veon Bell and everything like that, but... I, I think that it's kind of, uh, you mentioned it, LeBron James' effect, to kind of just sweep it under the rug to say, oh, well, he was supposed to do this. And one of the things that people b- defend uh, being with doing is saying, oh, well, he went out and got Stephon Diggs. Okay, yes, that was a good move on their part. Stephon Diggs is a phenomenal receiver. Anytime you can get a top five receiver in the league, top ten receiver in the league, you should do it. But you know who else got a top five, top Two, not number two, receiver in the league is the Arizona Cardinals. They went out and Mm -hmm. got a a receiver too. So now is he the executive of the year? I don't know. I mean, it's hard to just judge how good a general manager is on the splash moves they make, right? That seems like what what we're doing here. Is if oh did they make a big move? Well, they're the executive of the year. Well, not necessarily, right? Brett Veach did what he did and he did what he was supposed to do and he did more than what he was supposed to do essentially and look at him now look where the Chiefs are I mean the Bills are in a good spot too because they brought in Stefan Diggs I'm not sliding the Buffalo Bills at all or Brandon Bean at all I think he is also a very good uh general manager but I'm just saying put some respect on Brett Veach's name
2: (laughs) yeah no the dude's good at his job um, I was sidetracked. We, I got an alert on my phone while we were recording. Uh, Bill O'Brien is Alabama's new offensive coordinator, which <laughs> um, that was a name I was hoping I wouldn't hear again for quite some time. I think he's actually going to do a pretty good job. Like, That's another thing we could talk about on another pod for hours is yeah. head coaches like Doug Peterson, who maybe weren't good last season, who in a coordinator role, they'd be fantastic. Like Sometimes those coordinators just aren't, fitted to control a team and call plays and stuff like that, which is why Eric Bianimi, I really feel like could be a guy who would do good in that role. He's a player's coach. He knows how they operate. He can deal with tempers. He can deal with adversity, and he can dial up plays and stuff like that, so um, I just wanted to throw that in there, but yeah, put some respect on Brett Veach's name. Like, put all the respect on that guy's name because people say, oh, he didn't draft Patrick Mahomes. Brett Veach was a huge reason why the Chiefs selected Patrick Mahomes right. and traded up for him. So I I don't want to hear any of that. He's had some pretty good draft classes. He's made almost all the right moves in free agency. He's scoured the, the waiver wire, the transactions he's made have been fantastic. He's got undrafted free agents. I mean, the guy does everything
1: he really does and you mentioned bill o'brien while we're talking about executives is very comical to me because he might have been the worst executive of (laughs) this year for the houston texans because he did give up basically the best receiver in the league we had a conversation i say i'm gonna always say deandre hopkins is the best receiver in the league he might not have had the best year of the receivers Mm -hmm. i think that was uh adams who had the best year of all receivers but i think that he probably is the best receiver in the league and i I think it's very interesting when we talk about Eric Bieniemy. You brought this up and it made me think of it. I've got to find the tweet here um, from uh, Adam Schefter. The, the Eagles did hire a head coach. Um, they didn't talk to Eric Bieniemy, and yeah. they also hired a head coach that doesn't have any play calling experience. Um, mm-hmm. So that's a very interesting dynamic now going into this, where you had a lot of people saying Eric Bieniemy wasn't going to be a head coach because he doesn't call plays. That's fine. You know how many head coaches don't call plays? And yeah. he doesn't have to call plays to be a head coach. He's a phenomenal leader. He's got guys attesting to that every single day. It seems like Patrick Mahomes has endorsed him. Alex Smith endorsed him on Thursday. Said, "It's it's a shame that this <laughs> yeah. guy does not have a head coaching job." And I think that that's kind of drawn out a little bit too much is that he doesn't call plays. That that's not that's not what this is about, right? This <laughs> No, I
2: hope not. <laughs> I really hope not. And people bring that up like Sirianni didn't call place, it was Frank Reich. who was calling place. Like these, right. the dude's 39 years old. Eric Biennami's what 50? Like he has the experience, mm-hmm. he has the people skills, he's interviewing better. He has been playing roles in play calling. The players love him former and current players, former and current peers and assistants. And guys who have worked above and below him, all of them. Like it's, we could have an entire podcast. We could have several podcasts <laughs> about that whole situation, but I think we should get uh, moving on to this game we're gonna play here in a second. Does Monday at the office feel like a storm? Not with Microsoft Copilot. That feeling when Copilot gets everyone up to speed instantly?
0: It's sunny again. When Copilot simplifies complex data so your teams can act, that sun's shining on a beach. And when Copilot uncovers hidden insights, you're on that beach with your people and you find buried treasure. That's Microsoft Copilot. Learn more at Microsoft.com slash AI for all.
1: Yeah, I think so, too. This is going to be a fun game that Jordan and I are going to play. It's called quarterback roulette. So if you're familiar with the game roulette, you know, you put down you know chips on numbers and colors. Right. Um, we're going to be doing that. But instead of numbers and colors, it's going to be AFC quarterbacks. And there's one potential AFC quarterback, I should say. Um, AFC quarterbacks (laughs) right now, there's 10 quarterbacks, and we've got 10 chips so we can lay down. What we're laying down on, I guess what we're placing bets on, is that one of these 10 quarterbacks can win a Super Bowl, will win a Super Bowl. Mm -hmm. Um, Not necessarily can, but they will win a Super Bowl. And uh, should we start – let's start from who we give the least to and go to the most. Um, So should I give the list of quarterbacks first, do you think? Mm -hmm.
2: That sounds good, and we did. Um, I wanted to go full disclosure. It's going to be interesting because C. Dot Harrison at six ten played this game. That's where I got it from. I didn't mm-hmm. want him to somehow stumble upon this and say, "Oh, I did that." But man, it's going to be interesting because, like, I can kind of remember their answers on that show, and it was like probably Thanksgiving time. I mean, it's been a couple months, so yeah. from then to now, my list has changed. I think everyone's list would have changed, so it kind of is. A testament to uh, just how crazy the NFL is, but I'm excited to dive in, man. So we'll start with uh,
1: the list of quarterbacks that we have. We have ten guys. We have Lamar Jackson, Joe Burrow, Baker Mayfield, Deshaun Watson, Josh Allen, Tua Tagovailoa, Drew Locke, Justin Herbert, Ryan Tannehill, and Trevor Lawrence. That's the one supposed AFC quarterback that we have on there. But I think it's safe to say that he's going to be in the AFC. Probably. So, uh, <laughs> Jordan, do you want to start with your lowest?
2: Yeah, I've got three guys at zero. Should I just give one, or should I give all three?
1: Go ahead and give your first one.
2: Okay, my first one is going to be Drew Locke. Like, I, me and you both love the guy, but I, I don't see him winning a Super Bowl in the next five years. I don't see him ever winning a Super Bowl.
1: My first one that I have zero, and I also have three guys that have zero, okay. which is interesting. So maybe we do have the same number splits, which could be... Mm-hmm. Jordan, and I haven't talked about this. Another thing is like we don't know what we each other have, so we're finding this out at the same time that you are. To attack of Iloa, I have him at zero. Um, you, I don't know where he's going to be in five years. Um, sure. I don't know where he's <laughs> if he's going to be in Miami next year. So mm-hmm. I'm not just the uncertainty around him, and he seems like a guy who has to really have a lot of pieces around him to win a Super Bowl. Miami just doesn't have that right now. Then they got to go through yeah. Buffalo anyway to win the division. Um, The Buffalo looks pretty stout. So who's your, I guess, number nine person, I guess?
2: My number nine was Tua. I mean, I just put Locke last because I didn't want people to think I was trying to say that Locke was better than Tua or anything like that. I just, for the sake of clarity, I put it in that order on purpose.
1: I think that's fair to say because I have Drew Locke at number nine. Um, (laughs) I'm not saying that Drew Locke is better than uh, Tua Tagovailoa. Potentially could be in the right system, I will say that. Sure. Um, I've always I'm on the now the Drew Lock could be good in the right system bandwagon instead of Drew Lock will be a good starting quarterback for the Denver Broncos. It, it's a that's step the, back
2: and it, it's a necessary one. Like we can right. still kind of homer for the guy, but we also have to be real and say he just ain't looked good. <laughs> he yeah. just ain't looked good.
1: Also, being in the AFC West is kind of tough. Um, yeah. So that's why I gave him zero. So Jordan, who's your third guy? You gave zero to.
2: I wanted to give Ryan Tannehill half. A chip, but I gave him zero chips. I mean, he was a late addition because we initially had um, Kyler Murray in as the lone NFC quarterback, so we subbed him in um, for Kyler. I gave Kyler one, so I just gave one more chip across the board to a couple different guys, and then I gave Tannehill nothing.
1: My third one. This might be a shocker. I think it will be. I think a lot of people will be surprised by this by me. Justin Herbert got zero. Wow. You know why? He's going to be in L.A. for five years at least. And you know who, you know, being in L.A., you got to beat the Kansas City Chiefs. That's true. It's going to be hard for him to beat the Kansas City Chiefs, in my opinion, with Patrick Mahomes at quarterback all that time. So I just cannot see the Chargers, potentially they could get to the playoffs, you know, through the wild card and not actually Mm -hmm. have to play the Chiefs to get to the Super Bowl. Yeah, that can happen. But they have to play the Chiefs twice a year. And I think that that's kind of tough on Herbert and the Chargers, but I think that's probably my big upset in this one is Justin Herbert at okay. zero. So I, Jordan, I mean,
2: yeah, playing for the Chargers that's also <laughs> tough. Just that organization in general, let alone being in the AFC West.
1: Right. Uh, so now we're up to a whole numbers. Do you have a whole number? Or do you have another half?
2: I don't. I have uh, I have two halves before I get to a hole. My oh top my five goodness. all gets holes. Actually, even the top five two guys get. Uh, holes and then a fraction. So I'm just going to give two, the 2.5s two that I have. Ahead, Is that okay? Yeah. All right. I'm giving Baker Mayfield and Trevor Lawrence each half a chip. Um, hmm. Baker, he doesn't seem like a Super Bowl winning quarterback type to me, but he did play well in the first half against the Chiefs. And then Trevor Lawrence, I don't think he's going to be a generational quarterback like a lot of people say, but I do think he's going to be a pretty good one. So I figured before he even got into the league, I wouldn't count them out, and I'd give them half a chip.
1: So that's interesting because I was looking at my list. I have all holes. I didn't give out halves. Um, I have five people with one chip. (laughs) Um, So, And then I have two players that have five divided between them. So I'll give out two of the people that have one, and uh, that would be Ryan Tannehill. This is a situation, again, where I could see them sneaking into the playoffs, you know, winning their division, obviously, because I think they can win that division consistently. Mm -hmm. Um, And then not having to play the Chiefs or having favorable matchups in the divisional, the wild card, the championship rounds, making it to the Super Bowl and potentially pulling one out. So I could see Ryan Tannehill pulling one out, another guy I have, Trevor Lawrence, I just think that you got to give him a chip just because of what they could do down there. Urban Meyer, Mm -hmm. all that new coaching staff down there. Just the potential is exciting, and I'll give him potentially one chip uh, for this. That's fair. What are we at now? We've done five players already, so this is going to be your top five. So go ahead and kick us off with number five.
2: Number five, I've got Joe Burrow. I gave that guy a chip. Man, he has the talent. I think absolutely to be a Super Bowl winning quarterback, but do I want to put faith in the Bengals to give him a Super Bowl caliber team? That's where I was at. I If he was like in Justin Herbert's shoes or if he was in Josh Allen's shoes, I probably would have put like five on Joe Burrow. I think he's going to be a phenomenal quarterback. He's already really, really good, but um, he has a long road ahead, so I just stuck with one.
1: I've got Joe Burrow there at well with just one as well. I mean, you hit the nail on the head, I think. It's kind of hard to say what he's going to do, especially with their problems at offensive line and him yeah. him getting injured and everything like that. It's tough to come back from injuries like that. But we'll see. I really like Joe Burrow. You really like Joe Burrow. Um, I always thought that he was going to be the rookie of the year. I thought he was going to be what Herbert was going to be, honestly. Yeah. But um, <laughs> I could see you know another situation where they could sneak into the playoffs. But – Uh, Joe Burrow at one another guy that I have at one and then we'll give two from you uh, Jordan was Baker Mayfield I gave him one chip as well just because of I could see it happening it's one of those things where like you know I could see them they're a good football team they're trending in the right direction I've liked Baker Mayfield he's finally got a good staff around him he doesn't have to learn another new playbook I think Mm -hmm. that's what he said he was most excited about about this offseason he doesn't have to learn a new system so maybe seeing Baker get more comfortable in a system will really benefit him in the long run and maybe he could maybe he could pull yeah.
2: one out yeah I could see that
1: so go ahead and give uh two for you that will put you at your will that put you at your top two left
2: yeah yeah I'll go I gave Lamar Jackson one chip I think mm-hmm. that although he hasn't been good in a lot of the playoff games he's just so damn talented and I trust the Ravens I think Harbaugh's a great coach they have a good defense they'll continue to have a good defense I think so I gave Lamar one I gave Justin Herbert one and a half. Mm -hmm. I think that dude is the real deal and then some. And, like, every year people hype up the Chargers and say, oh, that defense is going to be really good. And as long as they can stay healthy, they're going to be a good team. Like, with Herbert, I think that's going to come true. Like, if that team can stay healthy, they're going to have a good defense. If the offense can stay healthy, they're going to put up points. Like, I don't think they're going to necessarily win the AFC West. I think they're going to challenge for it, kind of like what the Raiders thought they were going to do at the beginning of the year, the Chargers might actually do. So it it hinges upon a lot falling in the right place. Um, I don't think he's going to win a Super Bowl, but I went ahead and gave him one and a half just because of how good he's been so far.
1: So I'm going to give one, and then I'll be down to my top two, and then you'll give your number two. I'll give two, one, and one. Deal? Yep. All right, so... I have Deshaun Watson with one chip um, okay. just because the uncertainty of the number one, the Texans organization, number two, the uncertainty of his future in the NFL, where mm-hmm. he's going to go. I think a lot of that depends, and I think it's kind of um, a risky bet, I would say, to put down uh, a lot of chips on him. But he's a very talented player, so I mm-hmm. can see wherever him he going, wherever he going, <laughs> that's not right, <laughs> wherever he goes um, could be very... Interesting in terms of Super Bowl contenders, and I I could honestly go either way on this. But Deshaun Watson right now, just because of the situation he's in, um, I gave him one chip. So Jordan, give us your number two most chips on a player here in this quarterback.
2: I gave Deshaun Watson two chips, and I think that, like you said, it is very risky. But hopefully, wherever he ends up is a better situation than the one he's in. And mm-hmm. they were a playoff team not this year, but last year with Watson right. there. I think that even if he goes to a team like the Jets, and I mean they surround him with some talent, hopefully he doesn't go there. Um, I guess I'm kind of banking on him going to a San Francisco or something like that because on the low end, he could stay there in Houston and not do anything, or he could go to San Francisco and win two Super Bowls. So like I, mm-hmm. there's a wide range of possibilities there, but he's so talented, and I believe in him as a player so much that I went ahead and gave him two.
1: So my number two guy that I have two chips on, Josh Allen. I think that this guy is a talented quarterback, got a rocket arm. Obviously, uh, we're going to see him this weekend. And I think that the Bills do potentially have a team where they could make a run at a Super Bowl. They're, they're a very solid team. And they're a team that, that kind of worries me a little bit, especially if they get their defense figured out and can mm-hmm. keep Mahomes at bay. That, that kind of worries me a bit. But Josh Allen, I gave him two chips, so... Uh, Jordan, did you want to give your number two? I've already forgot. I'm bad at hosting Yeah,
2: games. no, my number two is Watson. So was your number one, Allen, or was that your number two?
1: That was my number two. So your okay. number one. Who are you putting the most chips on in our quarterback roulette to win a Super Bowl in the next five years?
2: Jordan, it is? I gave Josh Allen three and a half chips. Oh. <laughs> I, gave him, I gave him three and a half freaking chips, and it, that's not even really a Josh Allen thing. I think he's a phenomenal quarterback, but... If they're this good with their defense taking a huge step back from the year before, it's going to average out. Like, Allen took Mm -hmm. a huge step forward. The defense took a big step back. That defense, hopefully, isn't always going to be that bad. And they have Bean, who, Pro Football Writers Association Executive of the Year, blah, blah, blah. He's good at his job. Sean McDermott is fantastic at his job. They have coaches in place. They have the offensive line. They have the wide receivers. They have... An exciting. I like Zach Moss. I like Singletary. Mm-hmm. I mean, they have decent weapons on offense. They have Tredavious White, uh, Matt Milano on defense. They're not devoid of talent. So, man, I think that it sucks because I don't necessarily think any of these guys are going to win a Super Bowl because they have to compete with Mahomes. But for, if Mahomes wasn't in the picture, I think Allen would be the most likely to do it.
1: Who I have at my number one. If you're keeping track at home, you probably already realize who I have at number one. <laughs> It's Lamar Jackson. I got Lamar Jackson with three chips on him to win a Super Bowl because that guy is too talented, I think, not to win one. I think he is top five quarterback in this league. I know a lot of people might disagree with that. A lot of people in Kansas City don't like Lamar Jackson for some reason. I love him. I don't know why. I do too. I love to watch him play football. His style is so different really reminds me of michael vick michael vick was one of Mm -hmm. my favorite quarterbacks growing up yeah just watching him play the game of football and he's very michael vick-esque and i believe has broken some michael vick records so really has been better than michael vick and i really think that the ravens are going to figure this out right they're going to get a team built around lamar jackson they're going to get tools to accentuate what lamar jackson does well that's going to happen. The defense is going to be very good because that's just what Baltimore is. Baltimore is a very solid defensive team traditionally, and they're going to be good on defense. Lamar's going to figure things out. Throwing the football, he's figured things out the first three years. Has he been in the league three years already? Yeah, three, the two. 18
2: class. Yeah.
1: Wow. Three years already Lamar Jackson's been in the league, and I think he's <laughs> improved every year in terms of yeah. passing. So that's that's promising to see. He'll get weapons through via the draft or – through free agency, we did just see Mark Ingram walk, which could be interesting for the Chiefs, maybe? I don't know. Um, They seem to like taking
2: in – I'm not even going to finish the sentence. I don't want to get in (laughs) trouble for the podcast. I am just going to leave it at that.
1: Fair enough. So I have three chips on Lamar Jackson because I really like him as a quarterback, and I think he's a good guy too. Um, Oh, yeah. He's great. So we've got this Bills game coming up on Sunday. Really excited for it. We're going to have a preview tomorrow with Bills Central's Nick Fierro. That's SI's channel for everything Buffalo Bills. He'll be with us to talk about the game. Jordan, I appreciate you joining me in kind of a pinch here. We had a podcast episode. Uh, we are going to get BJ Kissel on the podcast. So if you were looking forward to listening to us talk to BJ, so were we. But uh, we will get him back on the podcast. Jordan, I appreciate you joining me. You got any final thoughts?
2: No, man. I just... Full participant, and that's all you can really expect this time of year. the The best players come ready to go, so we're just kind of playing through it right now. But I, I really am excited to get BJ on the pod because that's that's going to be a super good conversation. So hopefully, the beginning of next week we'll have that coming at everybody.
1: Yeah, we'd love love to get different guys on the podcast. If you guys have any suggestions of who you want to us to talk to on the podcast, hit up my DMs at Tucker D Franklin. Hit up Jordan's at Footnoted uh always open a minor opener yours open i guess I should yeah have asked I, before I think I said so that. i okay. hope they're open <laughs> <laughs> my dms are always open if you guys want to talk just chat uh always feel free to slide in there we'll talk about the chiefs talk about anything you want to because that's just the kind of guy i am love to talk love to chat
2: <laughs> man of the people
1: <laughs> a man of the people indeed jordan once again you're the greatest This has been an episode of Roughing the Kicker on ArrowheadReport.com. Go follow Jordan on Twitter at Footnoted, and go follow me on Twitter at TuckerDFranklin. I'll be back with Nick Fierro tomorrow, and until then, I'll talk to you tomorrow.
0: The Roughing the Kicker Chiefs podcast is a daily Kansas City Chiefs podcast brought to you by Almost Entirely LLC in association with ArrowheadReport.com. Roughing the Kicker is hosted and produced by Tucker Franklin, executive produced by Joshua Briscoe, and is available on ArrowheadReport.com or wherever you get your podcasts. For more Chiefs coverage, visit ArrowheadReport.com and follow at SICHiefs, at TuckerDFranklin, and at Briscoe on Twitter.